This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Shouldn't you be at home? And Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin! Unknown goal from Ruddock! Four by break here for Kiwabia. Pannister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores! Thomas back healing for Richardson. Oh, Gunn's lost it! A goal for Niall Quinn! Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh and No! Hello, I'm Chris Gold. Welcome to Quickly Kevin. Will he score the, the, now that's what I call Quickly Kevin specials. Joining me, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And a man who has hoarded 50 boxes of Kellogg Strike is Michael Marden. Hello. You're never going to get through all these, mate. What about? <laughs> <laughs> UHT milk. <laughs> uh, how are we all? Good, surviving. Shall we cut out? How are we all, guys? Because uh, we are recording all of these yeah. at once before we don't. How, how, how we all are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it did prompt me to uh, have a thought on a question. Uh, if you could be in lockdown with one 90s footballer, who would you choose? Great question. Ooh. I wouldn't choose David Batty. Lee Sharp? A lot of fun. You know what, Lee Shop would be bouncing off the walls at a time yeah. like this. If he wanted to go there, trying to sneak out the window, try and find a nightclub. They're all closed, Lee. I wouldn't want anyone high energy, I think. No. After 24 hours of drive. I wouldn't someone nice and You wouldn't want Golo Cante. As we learned last week, Rufus Brevett would be a great person to be in lockdown with. Very chilled, even Very in the face chilled. of adversity. I think I'd want someone like Pat Nevin. Yeah. Good music selection. Good music selection. Good conversation. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, though. You know the five things that Nigel Martin be hoarding? <laughs> <laughs> you all want to be in lockdown with F and a Coco. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's up with all these drifters? Box of drifter? <laughs> bit of correspondence, bit of electronic postbag. Yeah. Yeah. You've got mail. Thank you for the show, fellas. I absolutely love what you do. I recently revisited your legendary Jim Rosenthal episode. Is that a legendary what? episode? That's good. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, nice. Uh, Jim's tale of how close he was to being poached from ITV by BSB at the beginning of the 90s reminded me of how well my dad's decision to do BSB over Sky paid off. I was nine years old and Everton mad. Graham Sharp was my favourite player. Number nine 
one of two league championships, an FA Cup and a European Cup Winners' Cup, and our leading post-war goal scorer. What wasn't to love? My granddad worked on the Mersey Docks and Harbour Company and was based in the Liver buildings. One of his colleagues, Dave, happened to be Graham Sharp's best mate. My granddad always made sure he checked on Graham's well-being via Dave. On the 26th of October 1990, my granddad was surprised to hear Dave bemoaning the fact that Sharpie did not have BSB. Furthermore, he didn't know anyone with BSB. My granddad piped up. He's in luck. If he's stuck, Dave, my son-in-law, has BSB. So if he ever fancies watching something, he'd be more than welcome to pop round. Too fucking right he would be. We're Everton <laughs> fanatics. Sharpie is our hero and very much Everton's star man. Well, it just so happened that Sharpie fancied watching something that weekend. The 1990 Skull Cup final between Rangers and Celtic. <laughs> Live on Sunday afternoon on an early inclination of Sky Sports. If memory serves, it was called the Sports Channel. It specialised in Syria before Channel 4 picked it up and Scottish football. The wonderful and criminally underrated Paul Dempsey was the anchorman and Martin Tyler had been persuaded to do what Jim Rosenthal decided against. He'd left ITV to join them. Andy Gray was cutting his teeth as co-commentator. We weren't convinced this would actually happen. Sharpie had played the day before in a turgid 1-1 draw on Luton's plastic pitch. Everton's glory days were fading fast. He wasn't going to be in the chirpiest of mood, we thought. But with an hour to go before kickoff and our house immaculate, dusted from top to bottom just in case, we got the call. <laughs> Dave had just picked Graham Sharp up. The legend that is Graham Sharp was on the way to my house. Sharp arrived bearing gifts. Eight cans of skull. <laughs> yes, skull. Skull for the Skull Cup final. If it had been 2019, you'd have thought the whole thing was some kind of commercial stunt. I always think it was actually a very sweet gesture. I love the idea of Graham standing in the off-license, pondering what to buy when the idea springs to mind. I imagine him smiling a bit, shaking his head a little and muttering the word skull to himself <laughs> before getting back in Dave's car, saying, see what I've got here, Dave? Just before kickoff, Andy Gray told Martin Tyler that his old friend, Graham Sharp, was so excited about the match that he was going around to a friend's house to watch it. No way! Live on air. Yeah, a friend's house. Things were getting a little bit surreal. <laughs> Graham was such a nice bloke, genuinely grateful for the hospitality. I don't think I uttered more than a handful of words. Sharpie supported Rangers that day, so I did too. I remember him complimenting me on my reaction speed when I jumped up to celebrate Richard Goff's equaliser. What? <laughs> for the record, Paul Elliott put Celtic ahead before Goff and Walters scored a 2-1 win for Rangers. I remember bouncing into school the next day to inform everyone that Graham Sharp had come round to my house, for which I received high acclaim. In spite of this all... I was to get my first lesson on the power of fake news when my best friend and Liverpool supporter, Rich, arrived in school the following morning to announce that John Barnes had popped round his house for dinner the previous morning. <laughs> for this, he received equally high acclaim, but no cans of skull. Cheers, John Selleck. Wow. What a great story. Oh, that is unbelievable. I mean, so many questions. I wonder if he'd gone round to watch the Milk Cup final. <laughs> Nigel Martin would have been delight. <laughs> yeah, the Rumbelows Cup, that would have been tougher. What would he have taken TV? Yeah. Graham Sharp turning off the washing machine. Yeah. Zenith yeah. Data Systems Cup final. Graham Sharp. Graham Sharp with a computer under his arm. 
mean, oh. his his mate who said John Barnes came round. That's 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 not his rubbish. That's just his mate had seen a loophole. Yeah. And he could just do this. That's not cool. Uh, that's not cool. But if someone came, if that happened, Graham Sharp came and watched the the Scottish Cup final. Like you just wouldn't believe it, would you? Yeah. Like well, in these days, obviously you'd be taking photos on your phone. Yeah. But in those days, if you didn't have a film in the camera <laughs> at the time. Um, on the sorry, this just reminds me that thinking about ninety technology, I was playing football with my daughter earlier on, and we've got kind of an unpumped up ball, and I was, it's the first time I've kicked like an unpumped up ball since I was a child. They're so difficult to kick. How uh, deflated are we talking? It's about? completely deflated. It's a size enough there that it's got the shape of a ball. You can step on it, right. but it's got enough. Yeah. Well, I think the bladder, in a way, holds it to the shape of a ball, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, sorry, it just felt so. When I was doing it, I was like, I haven't done this since about 1992. Um, in my primary school, they banned leather footballs, so we we were only allowed foam. Football, really? My, yeah, because I, I don't know. The headmaster thought you could break your leg with do you a leather you, football. Do you think that gives you a better touch when you come to play with a leather football? Well, like, you know, like with Brazilians. Fo- <laughs> phone footballs are easier to control, are they not? Because there's more give in them. I always feel like... It's- yeah, I think I think you're worse when you go to a, yeah. from a phone ball to a leather ball. You're, also, you're definitely worse. If you really ping, if you hit it right, a phone ball can ping off your foot. Yeah. Also, you ever had a fifty-fifty with a phone football? Waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an airbag. Do you want one more? Yeah. You're asking for the most exotic listener. I can claim to be your youngest listener at the grand old age of 13. And wow. I've been listening since I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> your part has led me to carry the wonderful world of 90s football. You've brought me to the stage where I dream about Steve Barnes, ask for letters for Town Mug for Christmas, uh, and since being in bottom set PE, calling people Little Ali Dyers. <laughs> I think he might be able to do a nostalgic football podcast about Quitley Kevin. I also have conversations about naked men running across moors. Was Alan Kerbishly good? And what's the big deal about Italian 90 with family members over the age of 35? (laughs) I feel like all these years, the odd documentaries and worst 11s, you should have a pod of kits of the 90s or the home of Jemba Jemba, the mighty villa. Robbie Slater, see you later, Ollie Collins. P.S. I've met one 90s footballer, Tony Adams. That's one of my favourite ever emails. Great, isn't it? Thank you, Ollie. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, genuinely, I hope all is well with you in these trying times. We should do a kit special as well. Yeah. Um, if you are younger than Ollie Collins, uh, do get in touch and this is how. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin. And sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Okay, it's time for now. That's what I call Quickly Kevin, Volume 2. First up is good friend of the show, Tom Crane, to discuss transfer rumours, meeting 90s footballers, and obscure football rules from your childhood. It's nice to have some settling questions to get to know you. Yes, of course. Did you have any favourite CFAX pages, football-related, <laughs> in questions. the 90s? Yeah, uh, yeah, I did. I, well, I didn't have a TV till I was 15, so I used to read CFAX at my next-door-neighbour Miles's house. Uh, we would sit there together and we were football-obsessed, but I was yeah. um, all about the transfer rumours. That was my, oh, yeah. my big one. I, 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 kinda, I prefer a, a rumour to a confirmed transfer. <laughs> I, I prefer a transfer rumour to a match. I'm not really interested in match reports. Oh, really? OK, yeah, because no interest. Yeah. Not really interested at all. I'd prefer the... The gossip, yeah, the what to the fact. Well, that's exactly it because, like, confirmed rumours, players hit the level of club you kind of expect. 
in general, of course, you get like Ravenelli at Middlesbrough and stuff like that in general. But with rumours, there's that hope that Viali mm, would go yeah. to Bradford or where yeah, it used yeah. to be. There was that kind of James Richardson pink tape paper sort of thing yeah. that this could happen. Yes. Most fantastical rumour you can recall? What would that be? Ravaldo um, to Spurs for me. I remember hearing that and the white fear that that could happen. <laughs> like, really and everyone in school was talking about it and I just remember, please God, yeah. don't let that happen. Well, the one I was, I was, I used to follow Villa when I was a kid. My, the one I, I was obsessed with Andy Hinchcliffe. Because, <laughs> like, there was, there was this, You're a dreamer. Do you remember this period in, like, uh, 90s football where seemingly nobody had a left foot? Yeah. The whole of Britain could whip in a right yeah. wing cross. <laughs> like, but there was, like, there was maybe three or four people who were able Graham to Lasso, and Steve Hinchley. Guppy, yes. who was a player who wasn't actually that good, but people treated like he was God, yeah. basically, because he had a left foot. Well, he's decent, but he wasn't, you know, yeah. a world beater. But because of this, Andy Hinchcliffe was the one that I... We, we eventually got David Unsworth for a week. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He from us, again. yeah, from West Ham, yeah. And I was quite excited. Because his wife me. didn't realise how far Birmingham was from London. <laughs> <laughs> so where did he go? Everton to Villa? Yeah, he went. West Ham to Villa, mm. and then uh, then Villa to Everton, I think it was. Exactly. Um, actually, he wanted to move to Liverpool, and his wife thought it, Birmingham was really close to Liverpool, so it was oh, slightly right. different. But yeah. yeah, his wife really stitched that. Imagine David Unsworth going to the. Who would he manage to <laughs> Brian Little? Oh, my God. Going, word. listen. How many days in wife. as well? Well, I suppose yeah. just after you've driven to training for the first time. <laughs> you go, I mean, this is taking me seven hours. <laughs> I, I, I want to see the kids this evening. Um, but, um, yeah. Have you ever met a 90s footballer? I have indeed. Yeah. I've uh, met. You'd like this, Chris, an ex-hammer. Oh, yeah? I've met Don Hutchinson. Oh, oh yeah? What, what I contacts? did a uh, talk sports show with him, and oh. he was on with me, and I talked to him about how he was uh, a cheap buy on Championship Manager, and he could play behind the striker, which is kind of the key role on yeah, Champ yeah. Manager. Basically, you're, you Tonton, Zola Makuka, all these sort of players, you had a attacking midfielder behind the striker, you were sorted. And I, yeah. I talked to him about that. And how did he take it? Uh, I think he was, he was quite touched that I'd, I'd bought him, but then slightly probably offended he was cheap. <laughs> it was a mixed uh, blessing. I, I asked, went to the hairdresser, and asked for a haircut like Don Hutchinson. He had a quite you? short with a little front flicked up. Really? Like he, was on the front. he was a real Did you photo of Don Hutchinson? I think I may have had a Hammers magazine, yeah. And, and I said, can to I him? have like, short Amazing. with the front flicked up? Did you ever copy a... Did you ever want a footballer's hair? What there was I a have? period yeah. when a lot of people, not me included, went with the Gaza... Yeah. Um, Dreadlocks. The paro- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The peroxide. Yeah. yeah, that was awful. No, I, d- I didn't really... I, I was kind of... I wasn't really allowed anything inventive hair-wise my mum would take me to the barbers and would sit in the corner on a leather chair with a picture of Steve Bruce with a picture of Steve Bruce yeah it's like that's not Steve Bruce that's Claire you're going to look like a centre-back okay like a a, yeah a centre-back who's lost the love of life that's what you're going to look like but yeah not not an option Um, it'd be interesting to hear from listeners if you ever taken uh, a footballer's picture to a hairdresser's and said can I have a haircut like this? And obviously, the more mediocre the footballer, the better. Yeah. Well, I did, of course, uh, when I was about, I was 18, first ever haircut I was allowed to have, I took Tariba West, uh, <laughs> which I deeply regret still to this day. <laughs> um, so, you, you were, I know for a fact you were good at football growing up, but what's kind of interesting is the different rules or games you play, because obviously you wouldn't play 11 aside generally. Yeah, yeah. So, with friends, what were the kind of. Uh, the well, go-to games in Bath. Well, in Bath, which is, of course, a very gritty place to grow up, we played... Um, I'm sure you played it as well. Head Volley's Beats was the big one. Right. Never. I've never heard ah, of that Well, this was yeah. uh, tantamount to... But it's all thing game you might play in prison. It was some <laughs> kind of initiation thing if you're trying to join a gang for protection for the next five years. Basically, it was a game where you'd have one goalie and after the third goal was scored in succession, which had to be scored by a header or volley, whoever the goalie was would get a punch from every other player. Uh, and then it would build so up you... as level. You'd have beat 
beats was the first level, and then tunnel beats, which is where people would spread I, their legs oh, and you'd wow. crawl between their legs and they'd hit you from above. Oh my and, word! Uh, this is crazy. It's like a crazy game. Because we had a version of Headers and Volleys right. called Donkey's Arse. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> So it's headers and volleys. I think you've all got, say, ten lives, maybe, and you okay. lose a life when a goal is scored against you when you're in goal. Yes. And so the first person to lose all their lives will be that... sat on by a donkey. Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, uh, the first person to lose all their lives gets the one final extra life donkey's chance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you lost, there is a pre-ascribed um, spot, mm. usually halfway between the maybe edge of the sixty-yard box and penalty spot. Oh, I, see where, I see where this is going. And you'd, you'd have to lean over on the goal line. Yes. And everyone would have one shot. And they'd get another shot if they managed to hit you on the arse. There was a slight problem with it. <laughs> you really enjoyed that feeling. <laughs> I've never felt so alive. Oh, no, I've lost again. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, being hit on the arse wasn't that bad. Yes. But being hit on the back of the legs really hurt. Oh, that's a stinger, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's the so, one. On a cold day, yeah, especially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next up is Blackburn and Chelsea defender Ian Pearce discussing his shirt sponsors in the 90s, Blackburn chairman Jack Walker gambling with Alan Shearer, and the legend of David Batty. So we love to hit, like, ask the hard-hitting questions on this podcast, and we're really going to grill you over the next hour. First question, can you name Chelsea, Blackburn and West Ham sponsors during your times with those various clubs? Wow, that's, that's probably hard-hitting. That yeah. The Blackburn one's easy, because yeah. it was drink. Yeah. yeah, McEwen's, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you get any free stuff? We did. Did we you? We used to get some free McEwen's, yeah. And this is back in the day. So when we were back in, when we when we played in London, because then we, we there was no flying, there was no nothing like that. So we had to get back on the bus. I mean, in those days, you were allowed a couple of beers, especially if you had a good result, because you knew you had a four hour trick back. Yeah. And so we'd all get tucked into the McEwen's on the way back. So <laughs> that's the best sponsor ever. Could you get as drunk as you wanted in that situation? No. No. no, yeah, you could. <laughs> if you'd had a good game back then on a Tuesday, say it was a Tuesday night and you'd had a good game, you knew that the Wednesday was going to be a, a warm down or a day off, then you were allowed to drink as much as you want, really. Are they monitoring, like, oh, Ian's had a cup, he's had two cans of McEwen's, or are you able yeah. to sneak? Oh, I've only had one, boss. <laughs> Kenny's I've handing them out. Kenny. Yeah. And he's Scottish, so he to doesn't know. Say, to be fair, if the gaffer had said anything back then, I would have jumped as high as, but, but you couldn't really understand him anyway, so he could have been saying, <laughs> been saying have another one. So. Um, sponsors at Chelsea. Uh, Any idea? Commodore. Correct. Yes. Commodore. Well, okay. yeah. Did you get stuck into the Commodores on the way back? <laughs> yeah. Bit of Lionel. Yeah. <laughs> um, West Ham. Uh, West Ham would have been. Oh my god. That's scandalous. It's my uh, team. I reckon I've got free stuff from both of these. Yeah. You had two. You had two. Did I? That is terrible because I can't remember that absolute blank here. So um, I think I th- I'm it sure sounds this like is I, I might be wrong, but it sounds like a local forecourt. Oh, I'll tell you what though, we didn't have a sponsor at one year. I remember that. Yeah, that's and right. We definitely didn't have a sponsor. Why not? Bad boy West Ham. We they, no one wanted to sponsor us. The rumor was that Jiffy Condoms had like agreed <laughs> to do the sponsor us, and then the league said no, you can't. And then it was too late to like put a sponsor on the show. Oh, really? That it could be complete hearsay. I've never ever said to anyone go. That's why can't they have condoms? The league kind of Catholic. <laughs> <shape>. <laughs> Yeah. Surely they should be promoting condoms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 
Sally, we, we, we didn't get any of them. That's why I got, that's why I got four kids. <laughs> you know, you uh, on the coach back from an away game. Yeah. <laughs> There's Harry Redknapp dishing out the condoms. <laughs> Different sort of atmosphere, that one. Right? Yeah. Um, you know you got Wednesday off, it's fine. <laughs> um, so Dagnum Motors. No, that was before me. That was before your time. Oh, so then you would have pretty much had Dr. Martin. Yes, it? that's it, it, Dr. Martin. Right, so when you were at Blackburn, right, Jack Walker's sponsoring the club. Oh, I, I couldn't understand, like, why didn't Jack Walker just put Walker Steel on there? Because he's, he's piling money into the club, right? What was he like? I, Did you get to meet him, Yes, much? and he was the loveliest fella. Listen, you only make a certain amount of money if you you have a dark side any businessman who's made it who's successful you got to have a but he came in and he was the the nicest man looked after me because he obviously knew I was young but there was once he came into the dressing room and he said look he used to play penny up the wall with Shearer did he? I swear we did <laughs> there was once there was a Christmas so it was the Christmas party so we, the lads are all talking about a Christmas party and he's coming to the change room this is before a game a little way before we are all just starting to get ready and he said he spoke to Alan and he went um Okay, so you you got your Christmas party. We'll have a game, of, and it was not a penny out the wall. It's pound out the wall. So they're playing. They're Big money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is we were Larry Lars. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're playing this, and we're watching them. And he goes, right. If I win, Shearer had to. Well, we had to do something for the for Jack. And then he goes, if I lose, then I'll pay for your Christmas party. And we were all, come on now. <laughs> before yeah, we're playing that end. But that's he was just he was just brilliant and. And the gaffer would let it go, and then, but then when it came to serious time, he obviously then disappeared. But he come in after the game, celebrate or commiserate. He was just really lovely fellow. They still sing his name now. I, when I go to games, I, and rightly so, gave me my best moment in football, obviously winning it. And and for someone like Blackburn, it's only repeated because Leicester did it, mm. and it's just unheard of. So he was just a spe- he was a special special fellow. Yeah, and he loved Blackburn as well, didn't yes. he? So like it was so obvious he yeah. was really into that town and the club. Yeah. And the day we won, when we were lucky enough, when we, uh, although we lost at Liverpool, we still we won it on that day. And they panned to the, him in the crowd, and he was in tears. He was just he just meant so much to him. So it was, it was brilliant for them. That's because he'd lost Penny up the wall, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he knew he had to pay for the party. <laughs> <laughs> There's some players that don't get a medal when you're in the league. So yeah. we, I was looking into this, and I didn't realise David Batty only played five games. Oh. I presumed he was like a. Yeah, you know, a big part of the team. That must have been awful for them, wasn't it? The worst thing for him, he was injured. He had a real bad, he had a bad injury and missed a big chunk. And that's the mm. worst. Because wor- I had a fair few injuries later on, and it's the missing the playing and missing the. Because even though you're still part of the banner and you still you still feel a little bit out of it. I think he's gone off the grid now. I think. Well, yeah, has he gone off the grid? He played football because he was good at it. I don't yeah. think he was because he. He really liked it that much. Yeah. But he was really good at it. He was much better than people because they said, oh, Bats used to tackle. He could pass, he could do, he could play, he could do everything really. Yeah. And, um, so he's just disappeared. Yeah. But he, he was one of them where you're on a coach and you're, and you're on a journey, you get stuck in traffic. It was like you could then start watching him and he'd be starting to tick. And he'd be like a little bomb because <laughs> he was—he just got bored. And he'd be—I think he'd be, yeah. He, well, he, I knew him because he was a nut. <laughs> there, was one, there was once there was a body found. There was a body found. Oh well, no, where's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> there was a body because Jack built, dug, uh, got rid of all the houses, didn't he? Or gave everyone great money for the house and then knocked it down. Mm. As they were knocking it down, there was a body found, and so then they had to stop building until the police had come to. Uh, we were training and it was one of them where's Bats and Bats was down looking to see if we could find the body I <laughs> <laughs> looked to see where the body was getting to and wondering what was going on and finally 
Comedian Matt Ford discussing his love of two footballing legends, Stuart Pearce and Brian Clough, and meeting 90s footballers. If you had to choose between the 90s legends Pierce Gallagher and Blair... Ooh. Ooh, wow. For you, Matt, yeah. your three favourite people ever, who would you choose? Out of those three? It's hard not to say Pierce. Just wow. because I had such an emotional relationship with him. Like, he was just kind of like my first. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard not to go for Pierce. And I had a life-size cardboard cut out of him in my bedroom that I used to put aftershave on and all sorts. <laughs> not aftershave, deodorant, because that would imply that I was beyond <laughs> shaving age. Him. Yeah, and I was quite a late So what do you mean, you'd spray it on him when you were spraying it on yourself? It was, uh, a, it was a sure rollerball. <laughs> and I just used to put it on his neck. <laughs> <laughs> they used to sell them in the club shop of him in his kit and it was sort of 1991 era that FA Cup yeah. final kit mm. but my mum I think they were 12 quid and my mum was like that's too expensive for a photograph <laughs> and so it's, it's not, you know it's a life size photograph like, it's, <laughs> it's not just like a Polaroid that flung him for 12 quid but at the time he was doing promo for Puma King so there's a shop in town called First Sport where they had a cardboard cut of him but in Puma King gear and she basically went in, tried to buy it, and they said, you can't buy it, it's just promotional. And they said, when the promotion's over, if you're the first person who comes in. And she went into that shop every day for three months. Basically, for 12 quid? For the sake of 12, 12 quid? quid. Yeah, but, but hang on, 12 quid in 1993, so that, you know, that's like 14 quid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I've got one that no one else had. So we always start with three questions uh, for the comics when we get them on. Question one, have you ever met a 90s footballer? Hundreds. I used to hang around the back. I had a season ticket for us to the main stand, which was the players' car park and the away team car park as well. Mm. So when the away team coach used to pull in, I just used to get other autographs. Did you? So I've got like Redknapp, Barnes, Rush. I had a football that I got signed by Viali, Hullet, and then like Savo Milosevic. <laughs> I think David Phillips, like it's a real like it's an eclectic mix. A, a real eclectic mix, yeah, yeah. Stuart Pierce is on there. Rude, just put it next to David Phillips. Sorry, who? I met so many of them. I met so many of them. Who were you turning up with a ball? To every... turn up with a farm foods carrier bag with this football. <laughs> Oh, so uncool. Yeah. Um, There's that guy with his little football bag. Yeah, let's <laughs> get the three hours before kickoff. Yeah. Shearer was incredible and he just signed for Newcastle he, st he signed for hours in the car park at Forest did he before the game before the game yeah yeah, yeah. for at least an hour just signing autographs for Forest yeah. Man United always just got straight off the bus yeah and straight in and I remember just as a kid asking Ryan Giggs for his autograph he didn't even look at me and I had a season ticket near the tunnel and it's an exposed tunnel at Forest and when they ran out for a warm up I jabbed him, him jabbed him on the arm yeah, <laughs> I jabbed Giggsy on the arm and Gary Pallister winked at me as if to say <laughs> Well you know, done. Yeah, well done for getting there first, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. I saw Bruce Grobelar club with someone. Some guy threw Monopoly money at him, a kid, and he slapped him across the face. I saw Lothar oh. Mateus, like, open hand slap for? Bayern Munich. Quarterfinals of the UEFA Cup. Someone went, Lothar, Lothar, and he just went, fuck you, and, like, open hand slapped the guy. Open hand <laughs> slap. <laughs> It was wow. just shot. It was incredible. Really violent days down there at the city ground. <laughs> we were saying last night, when you get to the ground like three hours early, obviously it's a great time to meet the footballers, but getting autographs before a game, I once met Paul Durkin and got wow. his autograph. I've got his, I've got his so autograph. I was going to ask you, <laughs> have you ever had a, an autograph of a referee? Would you go out of your way? Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got Paul Durkin's, but then I, I got, I got <laughs> Durkin. What, what did you say Andrew Paul Durkin? Warmer. Who's Richard Moore? He was a referee. He was a referee. Of, I was a mascot for a Forest game and he was referee for that, so I've got his autograph then. <laughs> but Nigel Clough left me behind, so I had to walk out with a ref. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, was, 
dressed massive. Like, yeah, I was too ass. nervous. I was too nervous to say, is this when we go out? And then someone was like, what are you still doing in the corridor? <laughs> And like everyone, oh, like no, I knew no, people no. at that game. I was at school, like I was oh, like, wow. you know, yeah. ten years old, and everyone at school was like, "Ah, you got left behind," and like it cost oh. me my fortune. I felt so I felt guilty that my mum had spent money on something that basically yeah. had only half. Man, happened. hang on, shame on Nigel Clough. What you? Yeah, you hold your hand. That's the one I job. I was just, oh. just sort of stood there in a the kitchen. Like, it was so oh, embarrassing. That's terrible. Oh, yeah. Terrible, Nigel Clough. Sad scenes. So Brian Clough. Oh man. Yeah. Your hero. Oh, You've met him. Yeah, yeah, I was a mascot for Forest Game when he was manager. Yeah, so how, how did that go? Badly. Um, well, firstly, I got left out by his son. Yeah, and yeah. Then, then... <laughs> That's established. I had serious eczema on my face. Uh, we were in the dressing room and he was drunk. And uh, Pre-match or post-match? Pre-match. Right. Hammered. And I, I don't know if you remember, the, his face was red raw. Yeah, 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 at that yeah. point. And I had like, eczema on my face and he went, Bloody hell, son, you are an ugly bugger. <laughs> And I'm 10 years old. Because what you've been doing all afternoon, sunshine, head butting pizzas. <laughs> and I said to him, oh, no, oh, that's all. I said, no, Mr. Clough, it's X, man. He goes, oh, come on, give your granddad Brian a kiss. And so he kisses me, takes me into the physio's room. Roy Keane and Nigel Clough are in there, like getting their thighs done by Graham Elias, the physio. <laughs> Have you got anything for this young man's face? And he <laughs> gave me this stuff called Betnovate, which any eczema sufferers who listen will know is a steroid based ointment. <laughs> and it, it, it was remarkable. It cleared it up. And I went back to my GP and uh, he said, oh, God, have you, you know, taken wheat out of your diet or dairy or anything? So I've got this stuff benefit because you cannot put that on your face. <laughs> <laughs> it can cause skin cancer. Where did you get it? I was like, uh, Brian Clough gave it. And he goes, oh, what, you met Cloughy? What's he like? I was like <laughs> back to the, he was a 10-year-old girl. Like, yeah, but am I safe? Am I, you know, my head going to fall off? And I remember years later, um, they, they take photos with you on the day, and I've got a lovely photo of me in my forest kit being hugged by Cluffy in his green jumper. And years later, when he released his second autobiography, Walking on Water, I queued up in Nottingham to get it signed. And I got the, the book signed, and then I had the photo, and I thought I could get the photo signed as well. So I said, oh, I said um, can you sign this as well, please, Mr. Clough? And he looked at it, and he went, ah, I looked a lot better back then. So did you, you fat bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, before we go, let's leave you with a man to take you through these trying times. It's Des Lynham from his album, Poems and Music, Time to Stand and Stare. What number do you want, Skull? Uh, ten. With Skull Cup final. Ten. Leisure by W.H. Davies. As always, it is fun if you imagine all of the instruments are being paid by Gerald Stinstadt. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Slater, see you later. What is this life if full of care we have no time to stand and stare? No time to stand beneath the boughs and stare as long as sheep or cows. No time to see when woods we pass where squirrels hide their nuts in grass. No time to see in broad daylight streams full of stars like skies at night. No time to turn at beauty's glance and watch her feet how they can dance. No time to wait till her mouth can enrich that smile her eyes began. A poor life this, if full of care, we have no time to stand and stare.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.